0: Hey, good morning everyone, um, good morning. For folks I don't know, my name is Joe Hess and I am the Karen Connections Pastor here at South Suburban. Um, just thanks for being with us this morning, thanks for letting me share the message with you this morning. Um, the great theologian Jerry Seinfeld once said about how most folks feel about speaking in public. Most fat folks would rather be the subject of a funeral rather than the speaker of the funeral. And, and man, I get that, I, I, I so get that. Um, You might think this comes natural to me. None of this comes natural to me. And some of you know that I I am a second career pastor. I I partly went into engineering because I would never have to speak in front of a large group of people. And and worse yet, I I, I never wanted to speak in front of a camera that would be viewed by a whole bunch of people. Um, No exaggeration. You can ask James and Christine, our communications folks, about this. When we first started doing this online thing, uh, and I knew I would have to say something, two days before we would start filming, I would start getting a pit in my stomach. You know, we filmed this on, on Tuesday mornings prior to the, prior to the Sunday um, that, we, that we show it. And on, t- on Sunday night, prior to the Tuesday, I would start getting this pit in my stomach. Um, and I know some of you right now are saying, you know, really, he's really, he's really not that bad. Um, well, it really was, and, and maybe less so now, but it was really, really, really bad and hard for me at first. Um, last week, we finished up a series of messages called Dangerous Prayers. And next week, Pastor Ike will start a new series called Out of the Ashes that will lead us right up to Easter. Um, This morning's message is a transition message, and I'm calling it Do You Not Know? Um, And part of what I want to share with you all this morning is a series of stories, some of my stories, some of your stories, um, all hopefully pointing, reminding us that we're all part of something bigger, God's story, every one of us as we prepare for this next season, Lent this season right before Easter, I wanna talk something this morning about being real, about being honest, about being vulnerable and transparent. um, And the way we step into some of that with God and with each other, well, who knows? Maybe, maybe just maybe, by God's grace, we'll be changed by that. And maybe, maybe, um, through us, God can change the world just a little bit. The text uh, this morning I'm gonna share is from Isaiah. Um, chapter 40, the last um, four verses 28, 29, 30, 31. Isaiah 40, uh, starting with verse 28. Um, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. Young men, they stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you not know? It's the first line in these verses. Do you not know? This can be a pride question, can it? And I'm not talking about in a Christian sense or a biblical sense or a God sense or do you know where the book of Haggai is, but in an everyday life sense, especially when the question has a certain tone to it. Really? Really? You don't know that? Everybody knows that. A couple of weeks ago, we are picking up Sarah's car from Buena Vista. How it got there is a whole other story, and I'll share that sometime with you. But we're picking up Sarah's car. And before we headed back, the car needed new windshield wiper blades that snowed the night before and the roads were full of splashback, and if you've ever had bad windshield wipers and the road is full of that after-snow muck, you know, this I'm sure you know, it can be tough to see. That smirtsna," that's a Hebrew word for yuck, just gets smeared all over the place. So on our way out of Buena Vista, we stop at this uh, CarQuest store uh, on the south part of town to pick up two new windshield wiper blades. The super nice lady helps us out, we, we tell her what we need. We've got a 2002 Honda Accord, helps us pick out the right blades we need. She even takes them out of the box, shows, us, shows me how to install them. It seems simple enough. I know how to do stuff, I, I am not a complete knucklehead. Yes, I am. Um, Sarah and I go out to the car and we try. Uh, the old ones come off, simple enough, but as I'm looking at trying to attach the new ones, It's like I'm trying to solve Einstein's E equals mc squared equation. It's just not happening. (laughs) my daughter, my sweet daughter, Dad, do you not know? Dad, do you not know how to install windshield wiper blades? Did I mention it's 17 degrees out? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, just to save face, instead of going back into the auto parts store and asking for help, we could just get some paper towels, duct tape them to the metal brackets. I think we could make it work. We end up going back to the nice lady that helped us out. Uh, we, we tell her, I tell her, I can't figure it out. I acknowledge to her and to the world, I do not know. Do, do you not know? I do not know. She comes out to help us. Zip, zip, she puts one on. Sarah watches how she does it. Zip, zip, Sarah puts on the other one. We're on our way. No duct tape or pap- paper towels needed. Just the need to swallow my pride a bit and admit that I don't know stuff. I don't know a lot of stuff. Um, Pride, pride can be a showstopper sometimes. In my own life, when I look back at some of the stupid things I've done, some of the sinful things I've done, I can often see pride, my sinful pride in the center. Do you not know? Do you not know? Something in this book talks about pride coming before the fall. Our charge is people of God. It's to seek justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. It is okay not to know, and it's okay to ask for help. We just need to be honest about it with ourselves and those around us, but it's hard sometimes, really hard. And sometimes we need folks to point out what we don't know. A week ago now, one of our staff members here at church called me on something. They said to me, when you make last-minute changes, you hurt people. And I asked them for an example, and they gave me one. And in my mind, I didn't say it out loud, but in my mind, I'm thinking that needed to be changed. That was the right thing to do. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's often really, really hard to hear criticism. It's hard for me to hear criticism. It's sometimes um, even harder to accept it. And I know for me, anyway, it's a pride thing. Do you not know? I didn't know. I had to hear it from this person, and it was the truth. I had a couple meetings right after that one, um, and I couldn't focus. I kept thinking about what this person had shared with me and how it snagged on me, how sometimes the truth really snags on us, how it really had bothered me. And I went home that night and shared it with Cindy, my wife, trying to rationalize what I had done, really trying to win Cindy onto my side. And she wasn't buying it. She summed it up perfectly. Last-minute changes equals hurt feelings. Last-minute changes equals hurt feelings. She nailed it and nailed me. My wife, my wife and I are coming up on 34 years of marriage this year, and I love her dearly almost as much as I love my dog, but sometimes I don't like her very much. Last-minute changes equals hurt feelings. Cindy told me, you need to own that. But, 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 stop it. Own it. You do it here at the house, too. You do it with our, our family, with me. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And I'd like to add the ever-present God as well, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men, they stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, they, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, those who remember why Jesus came in the first place. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. From from Luke's gospel, the Son of Man, Jesus came to seek and to serve the lost. From Matthew's gospel, he, Jesus, came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for, for many people we're called to do the same thing. I'm called to do the same thing. But I'm learning when I'm full of pride, it's hard to do. It's hard to get out of the way sometimes. When this person called me on this issue, when we get called on something, after we stop rationalizing why we act or acted in a certain way, when we really look at it, it can be sobering. And I want to talk about being sober for a second. And I don't mean sober in the sense of being alcohol or drug-free, although that might be part of it for some of us. My wife and I got hooked on this uh, series on Amazon Prime called Everest. My brother, Tom, turned us on to it. And it's about this team of folks trying to climb Everest. Talk about sobering what they have to do, what folks do to climb Everest, and the great cost, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, 40 grand to hire a good company to help get folks to the top. Almost two months it takes to get acclimated and get up and back down. The wind and the cold, unbelievable things they have to go go to to get to the top of the world, a tremendous risk, frostbite to hands and feet, loss of limbs sometimes to some, They never come back home, loss of life, sobering. As I sat in our nice warm home watching this, I think maybe, maybe, maybe I could do that. Then my wife, my wife then gently reminds me, you're afraid of heights, you'll never do that. The practice of sobriety, the act of being sober, what I'm talking about here is not about the act of abstinence or willpower. What we're talking about here is honesty. Back before COVID all all came down, I used to share that the two most honest groups that met here at church were AA on Saturday morning and Grief Share that met on on Tuesday night. Hi, my name's Lori. I'm an alcoholic. Hi everybody, my name's Bob. I lost my wife two months ago. Practice of sobriety, it's laying down any, any false sense of strength we project onto the world. And I'm borrowing this from a book I'm reading Um, The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Viodas. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but it's a great book, The Deeply Formed Life. He talks about inviting us to live with a poverty of spirit. Nothing to prove, nothing to possess, nothing to protect. Poverty of spirit, this is not a pejorative term. I think it's a holy term. Poverty of spirit, nothing to prove, nothing to protect, nothing to possess. I think it's a challenge to me, maybe to, to many of to many of us to be sober, to be humble, to be honest. Sermon on the Mount, maybe Jesus' most famous sermon, first line. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poverty of spirit, nothing to prove, nothing to possess, nothing to protect. From 2 Corinthians twelve nine, this is God speaking to Saint Paul. My grace, Saint Paul, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect when you say uncle, when you are humble, when you acknowledge that you don't know. Man, that's tough. I don't want to be weak or appear weak. I want to show you my strengths. And God says to us, you show show people your strengths, folks get you. You show them your weaknesses, they get me, they get God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. and his understanding, no one can fathom. He gets it. He gets us. Anybody here tired or weary? Me too. I share this story about Sarah, our daughter. With her permission, I share this. A year ago, September, we dropped her. We dropped Sarah off at school in San Diego, PLNU, Point Loma Nazarene University. The school of her dreams, once she worked her tail off to get into and get scholarship to go to. Two weeks in, she calls Cindy and I at home and the wheels have come off. She's struggling big time and not just a little, not just freshman year away from home, homesick stuff, but an anxiety and a depression that she had, been mas- that she had masked for, for years at home. She calls us and she's broken. And we wrestle with what should we do. We try and coach her and talk to her and and get her some help, but a week later, there's no change. And in fact, it's getting worse. And we decide the best thing to do is to bring her home and help her get healthy. Tail between her legs, Sarah comes home. And this girl, this, this young lady, who was captain of her swim team in high school, played golf on the varsity high school team, great student, great athlete, who everyone thought had the world by the tail or a tiger by the tail or something by the tail. She's in her bedroom upstairs in our home in a tailspin, broken. And my wife and I, I can't fix her. We don't know how to fix her. Do you not know? I don't know. We don't know. When your kids are hurting and broken, we are hurting and broken too. We hurt with them. A month or so goes by, and Sarah's getting help, but it's still a struggle. And there's no easy... Fixed to folks who struggle with anxiety and depression. For many, for many, it will be a lifelong battle. Sarah is an artist, and she starts to draw what she's feeling. And one evening, she comes downstairs for dinner, and she's got her hoodie over her head like she's hiding from the police or the FBI. She tells us she's just posted on Instagram pictures of her drawings to share with her friends or folks who follow her on Instagram what she's going through to help her friends understand. She's real with them. She's vulnerable with them, honest and transparent, sharing with them the details of her struggle. She comes down um, with that hoodie drawn tightly over her head for dinner. She tells us what she's just done, that she's just posted these drawings to some 200 friends who follow her on Instagram. If you've ever dared to be vulnerable and honest and really real um, with someone or a group of people, and you throw it out there hoping and praying it will be accepted in the light it was intended, you know how scary, you know how scary it can be. And as we're sitting there, a start, uh, starting dinner, Sarah's phone explodes. And I'm not a big fan of anybody having their phone at the dinner table, but this time it was super okay. Ping, 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 ping. Sarah's friends, every one of them who responded, sharing grace and mercy and understanding. A few sharing their own struggles, one saying, I thought I was the only one. Good good church happened right there at the dinner table. Sobriety, being totally honest with ourselves and with each other. Poverty of spirit, nothing to prove, nothing to protect, nothing to possess. I think it's what the definition of humility is all about. Here's who I am, bumps, warts, and all. Somehow God shows up in the midst of that. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Sometimes we get tired and weary, and life can kick the snot out of us, and we need help. We need a friend, or a family, or a or a church family, or sometimes a whole community to hold us up, don't we? My good friend, Dan Henninger, some of you folks have met him. He was one of the facilitators at the Aging Well workshop we did a month month or so ago. He did the one on hospice. He also helped us relaunch our men's ministry back a couple, three years ago. He was our first speaker, and he shared from his book that he had written. He's been a care pastor, one of the best, and he just retired at the end of December from Mountain View Christian Church there in Highlands Ranch. His big thing has always been what he truly believes will change the world is how we care for each other. Folks don't care how much we know, that old adage, folks don't care how much we know till they know how much you care. A week ago, we do this Zoom thing together, Um, and he tells my wife and I, just diagnosed, he's got bone cancer. He'd gone for a routine physical and told the doctor he had, had this pain in his leg. No, nothing, no, no big deal, but it was constant, so they, they do some kind of scan on it. He gets a call the next day, the kind of call we, we would all dread, the kind of call that sobers us up real quick. You need to call, you need to call oncology. We found something. It ends up being a tennis ball-sized tumor on his pelvis. Through tears and, and some laughter, we share and talk and pray with Dan, He tells us it's not so bad, but it is bad. It's somewhere between really bad and really, really bad. Son of a biscuit. He just retired a month ago, the end of December, and then he gets this news. He tells me, Joe, it's going to be okay. (laughs) I say, how so? He says, I go for coffee with my daughter-in-law last week, and and I'm paying, and the gal behind the counter tells me I have 22 stars. And I ask her, how many do I need for a free cup of coffee? She says, 40 stars. And Dan says, I'm not sure if I'll get there. Or I have cancer. And the woman behind the counter, her jaw drops. Can't believe what she just heard. And Dan and, and his daughter-in-law, they're laughing. Dan was just hoping for a few more stars, just maybe a free cup of coffee. Uh-huh. In the workshop back in January, Dan shared this story about a dad who was dying. Had entered into hospice and how he blessed his family in those last days. How he shared words of affirmation and blessing and encouragement with each of them. How he told them that he loved them and was proud of them. Dan shared the story about how the da- dying dad spoke to his daughter-in-law. A daughter-in-law who early on in life and just had some really, really rough spots. And the dad tells the daughter-in-law how much she has meant to him. That she's much more than just a daughter-in-law. In fact, she's a daughter my buddy Dan didn't offer this, but I know him well enough. When he went for coffee with his daughter-in-law last week after he found out he had cancer, he wanted to tell her the same thing. You're not just a daughter-in-law. You're my daughter. Thank you. Thank you for marrying my son. I love you. Dan was calling me last week, Zooming with me to say he loved me too. And not to, not to give up, to keep fighting the fight, to keep the faith. Dan finds out this week what the prognosis is. He'll find out Friday. This is being um, shown on Sunday. He found out two days ago what the options are. The options presented so far major surgery if it hasn't spread, three to to six-month recovery, or if it has spread, more than likely, some type of comfort care leading to hospice. (laughs) We said, Dan, how are you doing with all this? He tells Cindy and I, his head is a mess. It's just spinning, swimming with all kinds of thoughts and questions, some holy and some not so holy. But Dan tells Cindy and I, his heart, his soul is full. He tells us, this care thing, this care stuff, I'm telling you, it works. As I've started to share my cancer story with folks, I've never felt so loved and so cared for in my entire life. This care thing works. Caring for each other works. Joe, don't don't ever forget this. You want to change the world? You want to change the world? Take care of folks. Be present with them. Step into the mess. Love them. As Jesus says to all of us, do you love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. man comes through the food and clothing drive we did a week ago Saturday. He shares with me it's been a struggle. His wife has been sick, really sick, cancer sick, and they lost a son in an accident this past May. Wife is sick again now, needs surgery, and begins to tell me his faith story. His wife She's just been very faithful, strong faith since birth, prayerful, loving woman, him not so much. Grew up Catholic, kind of pushed away from it all in his teen years, but came back to faith when his wife got so sick. He tells me he's committed his life to Christ, that he believes in Jesus, that he prays all the time, but he says to me, how come, Pastor Joe, how come this is still all happening to me? It seems to be getting harder. Why does this stuff still happen? I'm praying. My wife is praying. My, my neighbors are praying. Our friends are praying for us. Why? Why? And the only thing I can stammer out with is uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this side of heaven we'll never know. Do you, do you not know? Sometimes we just have to say, No. I don't know. We don't know. Have you not heard? Maybe I've, maybe I've heard it before, but I don't remember. The Lord is the everlasting God, the ever-present God. He's here with us in the mess, both on the mountaintops and in the valleys. We have a grocery list on the counter next to the refrigerator at our house. The house rule is when we run out of stuff or we're about to run out of stuff, put it on the grocery list. Invariably, in the rush of our lives, we forget to put stuff on the list, and we run out of stuff. We're coming into Lent Lent this season in the church um, right before Easter. For all kinds of reasons, many of us have run out of stuff. We are tired and weary. We have questions. Some things don't seem to make sense. Maybe we've run out of Cheerios and milk, but we've, we're also running low on other things. Some of us were fried, we're burned out emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. You guys, look on your, you guys look on your own grocery list. You know, what, you know what you're low on. Today, this morning, from 10 to 1, and I know it's going to be cold on Sunday, so um, bundle up, but we're going to do a drive-through communion here at, here at church. And if you need some bread of life, if you need some zip in your doodah, come let God love on you. And let us love on you, too, and pray for you if you want to remind you how much... God loves you, bumps, warts, and all, especially, especially so when you come to him humbly, acknowledging your brokenness, nothing to prove, nothing to possess, nothing to protect. And if you're unfamiliar with this season, this Lent season coming up, we have these Easter bags we're going to give out today to families during the drive through communion. Helps explain some of what this season is all about. Walks us from Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, all the way to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And the bag is geared towards kids and families. But if you need some help, whether you're a kid or an adult, if you need some help with all of this, pick one up up for yourself or for a friend. This Lent season starts this coming Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, February 17th. We'll have a short online service that we'll do at noon, and we'll also do the same service at 7 p.m. Explain some of what all of this means. It's Ash Wednesday, this Lent. We're also gonna give out ashes here at church, drive through ashes, not on your forehead but on the back of your hands just to be safe. We'll do all the safety protocol. If you've never done the ashes thing, I invite you to come be a part. Pastor, I, Pastor Ike and I will be doing that here at church on Wednesday the 17th from three to five p.m. We'll mark the back of your hand in ashes in the sign of the cross, reminding all of us God's love for us, John 3:16. For God so loved the world. Through Jesus, his death on the cross for us, and our stuff, our sins, God did it all for us. We'll also be there to pray with each of you if you want us to pray. The sermon series coming up starts next Sunday and runs through Lent, it's called Out of Ashes. Biblical stories about folks struggling through life just like us, sometimes burned out, burned up. Somehow God reaches in and brings us new life out of the ashes. Just one one final thought, one final story, and I borrow this from the the Everest series I talked about earlier. There was a team of guys trying to make their final ascent um, to the top of Everest. Two of them don't end up making it. They both get close, they can see the top, but they run out of gas. One guy, a firefighter, Brett from L.A., he turns back first. Moans, his friend from Denmark, a school teacher, young guy, he muscles it through another day, but then he's forced to go back too. Both of them have given it their all, they just can't make it. And Brett, the firefighter, he's at base camp when he hears over the radio that his friend, Moans, is coming back down. Brett, as exhausted as he is from his climb, as hurting as he is from his climb back down, heads back up the mountain to meet with his Danish friend. And when they finally meet up with each other, broken and tired, weary beyond weary, defeated, they hug and they hold each other and they cry. No words are necessary. They each gave it their best shot. Moans as they recover a little bit and, and realize they still have a ways to go down. Moans the Danish friend is so spent, he asks Brett the firefighter if he could help with his backpack full of gear. And Brett, Brett takes it off his back and carries it down the mountain for his friend. There was good church there at 20,000 plus feet on the side of Mount Everest. The Isaiah text we've been looking at, I share it at almost every graveside funeral service I do. And through some tears and the heartache and the grief, I, I try to remind folks that there's more to the story than this story, this graveside story. It doesn't end there. Pre-COVID, I would go around to each person at the graveside service and I would mark them with the sign of the cross. And I would say, bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In these four verses from Isaiah, he uses the word tired or weary six times. I think way back when Isaiah wrote this, he was writing to some folks that were tired and weary. Broken, scattered for sure, defeated, grieving. Man, I know some of us can relate to that this morning. And for lots of reasons, we, are, we too are tired and weary, broken, scattered, hurting, beat up. It's not supposed to be this way. Do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, they grow tired and weary, and young men, they stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, but those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Just a last thought, a challenge, a Valentine's Day challenge, if you will. You You wanna really change life? You wanna give someone some hope? you want to you make someone's heart sing today, go extend some grace to them. Go love on someone. Right now, if you can think of someone, think of someone you know that's hurting. And If you can't think of anyone right away, check around you today. Check around you this week. There's folks all around us that are hurting. Go meet them halfway up the mountain. Go meet them halfway up the mountain. Walk down with them. If you can, carry their back. Remind them that you struggle too. Love on them, care for them, pray with them, walk humbly with them. Remember, God walks with God walks with you down the mountain. Jesus loves you guys, and I do too.